Well, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 16 today. After the last five weeks, your Bible should probably open to this passage. But I feel led that this will be the, the last one on this. But we want to continue today. And this is, to me, the most encouraging one of all. <clears throat> We're talking about the church. Matthew 16, verse 13. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that every heart is receptive. Every mind is receptive. And we just give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, and let's read in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? So what's he saying? What do you believe about me? It doesn't matter what so-and-so says. It doesn't matter what this church says. It matters who do you say that he is. You know, that, that's the one thing. As we said a few minutes ago, be a man. Stand up for what you believe. Yeah, I believe he's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. I know who he is. You know, you believe in that confess and possess. People say, well, you believe in speaking tongues. Yes, be, be strong in what you believe. So who do you say he is? He is the Christ, the son of the living God. <clears throat> you know, one of the things we see in the world, especially in the day we live, it seems like there's especially been an acceleration of this because it is the spirit of Antichrist is to take Jesus out of the equation. We see that in the earth today. Everything... Take Jesus, no, you know, he's not the only way. He's not this. It's not just Christmas. It's, it's not Merry Christmas. It's Happy Holidays. It's Merry Xmas. All these things that take Jesus out of the equation. Well, he was a good man. Well, he was a prophet. You can do that and die lost. You can believe that and be lost and not know Jesus as the way. But the Bible says Jesus is the way. He's the only one that we're going to have to answer to one day. He's the only one we're going to have to stand before and give an account. See, that makes things different when we know, hey, I've got to speak to somebody else. No, I'm, I'm just my own man. And, and no, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to have to speak and, and give an account one day to the head of the church. So the Bible talks, just a little bit of review. We've, we talked about this, about holding to the head. Who is the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church today. Thank God I'm not the head of the church. Thank God you're not the head of the church. <laughs> Jesus is the head. And if he's the head of the church, he, he, he's big enough to take care of things. He's big enough to see that the church grows and develops. So we hold to the head and we confess his lordship over our life. And he is actually preeminent above all. Amen. Jesus is it. You know, the Bible talked about those that would begin to worship angels and not hold to the head. Nothing is more important than the head. No matter what you talk about, always let it center around Jesus. Let it be. That's why it's important that we give altar calls, that people know Jesus, no matter what you're talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want you to say this with me. He is my Lord and my Savior. Nothing else is above him. Amen. That's something we can't compromise. There's some, if people don't believe in healing, that's fine. If people don't believe in different things in the Bible, that's fine. But when it comes to this, Jesus is the way. Something that we can never compromise it's either him or we're lost. The Bible says he's the beginning and the ending, the alpha and the omega. Hallelujah. He's everything to us. And I belong to him. Aren't you glad that, that you don't just belong to yourself? Amen. I'm glad I don't, I don't just have the final say. I'm glad that there's someone else that I let have the final say in my life. 
so Jesus tells him, you're blessed, Simon, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, but my Father. And I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of revelation that I'm the Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So what is the Lord doing today? People say, what is God doing? You know, people, they get around each other and go to this conference. What's the Lord saying? Well, the same thing he's been saying. He's saving the, the lost. He's healing the sick. He's raising people up. And he's building his church. What's his biggest priority today? What's, what, what means the most to the Lord today? Is building his church. Can you say amen? Building up the church. So that, that includes two different things. Building up those that are saved, those that have come into the, to the fold, those that are, are called Jesus their Lord. Building them up. Building them up and then also bringing in the lost. Bringing the unsaved in. That's how he builds up the church. So that's why believers have to be built up. I tell you, I don't know... <laughs> This excites me more than anything. Being built up, being filled up. Why? Because I know what it's like to be empty. I know what it's like to be not only in sin, but I know what it's like to, to be just a Christian and just be dry. You know, God doesn't want us to be dry. Why? Because if we're just dry and just, yeah, I'm just, I'm having a hard time for the Lord. And, and um, you know, why don't you come serve the Lord with me? You know, people are not interested in that kind of life. What do they want? Well, they want somebody that's full. They want somebody that's filled up with God. Someone that has things happening in their life. So that's why the Lord tells us we have to be built up. Strong and not defeated. And you know, that, that's a living witness. There's a living witness when you have the life of God. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And it goes on, long-suffering, gentleness, such and so on. But those three, I believe, are the biggest that make an impact on people. Why? Because they want love in their life. They want joy. When you, you see someone with joy, it just reaches out. It grabs people. The same way with peace. Well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. You, you're a believer. You're a believer. And so you carry that same gospel. You carry the same anointing on your life that other people can see. See, I can't touch people where you are. Those are people in your realm and influence and your job that you can touch. Hallelujah. And so what happens is you get to a place, you get filled up. You're always up. That doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges, but you always live up. You live high. You live in a place up here where you live above. Why? Because you're seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So, for us to be down, something's really wrong. Something's wrong. <laughs> so, the more and more that believers are built up, it's going to affect people. It's going to affect other people. Why? Because the goodness of God Notice it's not the, the hitting on their head. Not beating somebody up with condemnation leads them to repentance. The Bible says the goodness of God. And so I want you to see it in a different light. The goodness of God in your life, when, you, when people see, man, God sure is good to them. They're always just happy. They're always full. Their kids are always doing good. They, it seems like they always have money. It just seems like that, you know, the... They just have joy in every situation because I know what happened in their life, but they still are happy. What does that do? That speaks volumes to people, especially if people knew you before. Say, man, I know you have reasons to be upset. Why are you so happy? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Looks like we're going to need some revival here today. So, on a daily basis, what should we be interested in? The building of the church. So we're getting new people in and getting people that are in the church built up. 
So what do I say today? I say, Lord, what can I do to build the kingdom? So today, do you want to know how you can impact the building of the church? So we're going to talk this morning about the edification of the church. The edification of the church. What's another word for edify? Build up. Everyone say build up. I'm not talking about building up a denomination. I'm not talking about building up your favorite doctrine. I'm talking about building up the church today. Look over in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And let's look in verse 31. I'm going to read in verse 30. The Bible says, Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, what happened? It says they were multiplied. See, this is the will of God today. What? That the church be edified and the church will be multiplied. The church built up, the church multiplied. See, people want this in life. People want victory in life. And when they see it on you, it should embark a response or in a question. What, where do you get this from? And see, we affect this more than we even realize. So, number one, edified and then multiplied. Is this the will of God for every church? Am I, let, me, let me get the um, foreign translator headsets back there, please, Wendy. Um, is it the will of God that every church be built up? That every church be increased? It's not God's will that any church, well, you know, we used to run 50, but now we're running five, and God just purged our church. That's nonsense. You know, a church should increase. If it's, if it's doing something for the kingdom. Now, if it's not, if it's causing damage, then it needs to shut down. But it's not the will of God for church to diminish. We're to edify and multiply. So what, what if you have somebody and, and they just, they're so built up. They're so built up on the inside. Their spirit is strong. Their mind is strong. Their body's strong. They're ready to go. And their kids are doing good. Their family's doing good. Their finances are doing good. And then that person goes and and begins to affect and disciple five other people. What kind of impact does that make? What if the whole church, not, not just universal, but even in here, what if every person through the course of one year, through 12 months, discipled one person? You double the church right there. See how much more is, is the responsibility of us as believers? Not just the, the five-fold ministry, not just for evangelist, pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet. It's up to us. What if just half of the church got one disciple? See, see how we would multiply. But wh why, why is that not happening? Because people... People are barely have one nostril above above the water, and they have a little straw, and it's like, oh, let me just get one last breath before I go under. Why? And that's not to condemn every anyone, but if we get built up, if we get strong, not only are we not trying to have people help us, but we're out helping another person. See, that's why we we are built up. What does it mean to be built up? That means that your spirit man on the inside is strong. That you're not, you're not discouraged, you're, you're helping and encouraging one another. Hallelujah. And so, <clears throat> that's the reason why churches don't multiply. It takes, it takes all that some people have to not just backslide. But, you know, you get strong, 
I've said this before. You get enough grace work in your life, you can overcome anything. You overcome, and the, and the more that you just press in, the more you get stronger in God, oh, that's what the devil's scared of because you're impacting other people. So that's why we're supposed to be strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What is that? Be strong in the Lord. That's when you're strong in the word of God, you're strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. That's the Holy Ghost. Be strong in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> you know, the Bible talks about how in the end times people would have a form of godliness, but what would they do? Begin to deny the power thereof. You're not going to be successful without the Holy Ghost. You're not going to be successful without the Spirit of God in your life. So we're supposed to be the strong church, the glorious church. Do you know that's what Jesus is coming back for, is a glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle or having any such thing. He's not looking for a church that's just barely making it and, oh, there's Jesus and we're about to go sink under the, the ocean right now and Jesus save us and there he comes. No, we're going to be occupying. We're going to be taking territory and the devil's going to be saying, get them out of here. I, I can't deal with them anymore. But the real reason we're going is because our work will be finished at this time and it's time that the church goes and then we'll be with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Who's looking forward to that? The marriage supper of the Lamb where we fellowship with the Lord for seven years. I mean, you're talking about a feast. You've never seen a feast until you've seen this. And the Bible says that then we're going to come back with Jesus He's going to rule and reign. He's going to set up his heavenly kingdom for a thousand years. I mean, you can't get depressed thinking about this. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we are the glorious church, the saved, the free, the full of power church. Who are we talking about? We're talking about every believer who names the name of Jesus worldwide is part of that church. Amen. And that's why God wants to his church to prosper. Why? Because if, you, if the church doesn't prosper, people don't even know you're in town. If you, you can't even get out of town if you don't have enough money. And so what God wants to do is exalt the church. Why? So that people can be attracted to the church. That's why God wants to raise people up. God says in his word, he says, that you humble yourself and you shall be what? Exalted. God's not opposed to you being exalted. He's opposed to you doing the exalting yourself. Why, why is that? It's not so people can look at me and say how good I am, how good you are. It's so that people can see the Lord. When people can see the Lord, then, see, that's what the enemy is scared of. That's why the Bible says, when Paul had all these revelations of the head of church, you know what the Bible said? He said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Do you know that's the will of God, that you be exalted? But Satan saw that. He said, so what he did is this. Lest I should be exalted above measure, there was given me a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. Now people have taken that and twisted and said that you know God didn't want me in pride lest I should be exalted above measure. And so here this, he sent this um, spirit. But first of all, the language is not that he would be in pride because the devil would want him to be in pride. So, lest I should be exalted above measure, lest the people should see the glorious light of the gospel, there was sent this messenger of Satan, Angelos, angel of Satan, to buffet me. Who's ever felt buffeted? You go on one side and you hit, you get hit. You go over here, you get hit. That's what happened. It said to strike, blow after blow. That's what happened to Paul. Paul either had revival or riot. Wherever he went, he was getting beat up. He was getting stoned. He was getting, you know, read 2 Corinthians 11 and see the things that happened to Paul for the, the, the cause of Christ. What did, what did Jesus say? Hey, he's a chosen vessel to me. I'm going to show him the things he had to suffer. He didn't suffer sickness and disease. What did he do? He suffered according to the will of God. 
What, but what happens when you suffer according to the will of God? Rejoice. Rejoice because you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, let me ask you this today. If God had his perfect way with the river church, what would it look like? Would we just maintain? Would we go backwards? Or would we go forward and be very strong? And would we begin to multiply? See, that's the will of God for every church that's following the Spirit of God. Why? Because he wants more and more people. He wants more and more kids. More and more of us means there's less going to hell. More and more of us means that there's less defeated. That people rise up. The enemy's defeated. Jesus is one. The people rise up. So we know that today the Lord is building his church. Just as a reminder, what have we said? The church is the called out ones. <clears throat> Do you know that we're supposed to be different? Why? Because the Lord has called us out. He's called us out of darkness into, Peter says, into his marvelous light, that we should show forth his praises. <clears throat> what happens when you get called out? You start having a new song in your life. Amen. The devil's songs go to the side and the songs of the Lord come into your life. <laughs> so we, we're the, the church, we're the called out ones, we're the bride of Christ. And then last week we talked about how we're the family of God. But I want you to look over in 1 Corinthians 14. We're talking about the building up and the edification. What does this actually look like on a practical level? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm so excited about the, <clears throat> the church being built up because it's the heart of God. Well, I thought you meant, I thought souls were the most important. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Who are we? We're souls. And when we're built up, it affects the people that are outside that don't know Jesus. So 1 Corinthians 14, the whole recurring theme in this chapter is building up being built up you know a lot of people skip chapter 12 and they go to 13 and skip 14 and they go to 15 talk about the resurrection but this chapter he's talking about building up the church look in verse 1 follow after love and desire spirituals the word gifts is in italics which means it was added by the translators just to help understand but that word spiritual means things pertaining to and of the spirit so, follow after love and desire things pertaining to the things of the Spirit, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to what? To edification, to exhortation, and comfort. You know, this is really a true test of, of knowing whether something is of God or not. It, is it building you up? Now, we know the Lord will correct us. We know that. You know, the Lord, he, he can pull the, the rug right out from under you, but he'll, he won't leave you there. You'll always be encouraged. But a true word of prophecy, what's it going to do? And we're talking about this simple gift of prophecy. We're not talking about uh, necessarily predicting the future, giving a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, but we're just talking about the simple gift of prophecy that every believer can do. Later in this chapter, he says, for you may all prophesy. But what he says is that this gift, you speak unto men, and what's going to happen? You're going to edify, you're going to exhort, and you're going to comfort. Any message of prophecy or prayer is going to edify you, and comfort you. Amen. Say this with me. Builds up, encourages, comforts. See, that's what's supposed to happen when we come to church. You're not supposed to leave church sad. You, you know, you're not supposed to leave. I mean, this, this, is a, this is something that happens. 
People go to church and they, they go to church and they feel bad and feel worse about themselves than when they came in. But then they'll come back next week and feel bad about how, how bad their life is. How I'm not measuring up to the, the, to, um, the standard, which is Jesus Christ. But you're not supposed to leave church condemned over how sinful you are. You're supposed to come in and get edified. I mean, from the first note that comes from the music, from the platform. You, boy, you should be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm in the right place today. Boy, I came to get edified. I came to get built up. You know, I had some things happen, but, but, but Lord, I thank you that, that you brought me in today. I'm gonna get built up today. What does, what does the enemy endeavor to do? Push, keep people out. Whether it's offense or any number of things. Well, you know, you worked a long week this week and, you know, just sleep in today. You know, they won't miss you over there anyway. See, that's what the enemy says. So when we, we come to church, we get edified, we get comforted, and we get built up. But what about your life? What about when people come across your path? What are they supposed to do? Nothing less. They're supposed to be comforted, built up, and edified. Boy, I sure was glad I came across their path. Have you ever felt like that? You ever said that? Boy, I sure was glad I came across their path. But see, if we're not built up, it would be better that some people didn't come across our path that day. <laughs> Why? Because we're not built up. Hallelujah. You know, I gave this example, but I think it's very fitting. There was a, I heard this guy giving this testimony. He said when he was about, this is many years ago, he said when, because he's in his 60s now, but he said when he was about 19, he was getting a haircut. And like he said, he said, I've gotten several since then, but, uh, but at this time he was getting his haircut and this lady asked him, said, I want to ask you a question. And she began to say, about a friend of hers in the church. In the springtime of the year, everything's getting beautiful and uh, she's walking and it's first really nice day coming out of winter. And she, she meets her pastor going down the street. She said, Pastor, isn't it a beautiful day today? He says, well, it depends how you see it. You know, there's people going to hell today and they're dying without Jesus. She said, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. I wasn't even thinking of that. He said, yeah, that's the problem. People don't think about it. Now stop right there. <laughs> Is what she, he's saying edifying her? Is it building her up? Is, she, is he raining on her parade? <laughs> and so he goes on to say, yeah, that's the problem. People, people don't think about it. And people need to think about it. And uh, she leaves that, that, that conversation feeling down. And of course, and then the lady was asking him and saying, is that right? He said, well, I didn't want to cast bad shadow on that brother, but he said many years later, no, it's not right. Why? Because you don't want to, you don't want to do anything to discourage somebody. And see, that's the wrong emphasis anyway. Why am I saying that? Because faith is positive. And you know, the Bible says, pretend if you have 500 people in a meeting and one person raises their hand to accept Jesus and just, just pretend that all 499 are lost. The Bible doesn't say that all the angels in heaven cry over the 499. What does it say? It says they rejoice over the one. They rejoice over the one. What are we supposed to do? Rejoice over the one. That's why condemnation, as we say, never works. But here's the thing. You know, you can get to a place, just relaying another story that I heard this same minister say. He was, he was saying that when he was helping out in the um, healing school, this, this one ministry. He said he got to the place to where 
Not only was he serious, but he got too serious. How many know you can get too serious? He said it like this. He was so serious that all he was doing was reading, fasting, and praying and missing God. And and I'll explain what I mean by that. He said he he would come in and people are terminal. He said he was green as could be and just getting to work with these people and people are coming in, no hope. He said death is in the room on Monday morning and you could just, you could smell it literally in the air and just the hopelessness. And he said that, you know, by the end of the week, you know, he said he was forgetting the fact that 10 people got helped. 10 people got healed, but the one person, they lost one that week. And so he's, he's in the in the floor. God, if I just knew more, if I just, if I prayed more, if I just, if I just fasted more, if I just worshiped more, if I just did this. How many know what I'm saying? That's what the enemy said. If you would have just done this, if you would have just done that. So he's praying in the floor and, and finally the Lord speaks to him and just calls his name and he said it just jolted him. He said, get up from there. He said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you are not the Savior. Whether these people die and go to hell is not all riding on your shoulders. Whether these people are healed is not totally upon your shoulders. What did he tell him? He said, you do what I tell you to do. You pray. You, you, you lay hands on the people. You give them everything you got. But then you go and enjoy your salvation. So that's what he said. He said it took a while to kind of get out of that. He said I, I began to study like, like I normally did. Pray. Give them everything I got. Lay hands on them. He said then I'd go out and get on a motorcycle and, and blow leaves off the road. And enjoy my salvation. Why? Because you, you can't help people being down. And see a lot of people... They, especially when it comes to intercession, we believe in intercession. That's what our, our, prayer, our prayer group, we, we intercede. We pray for people. We have supplication. We have, we have all kinds of prayer. But you know, you're not going to help somebody just by being, having the weight of the world on you. You know, in true intercession, here's what's supposed to happen. You pray, you, you, you pray something through you have like a burden, but then you get up, you rejoice. You pray till you have a note of victory and you don't, you don't quit till you have that note of victory. Can you say amen? And so whether people are, are healed or not is not totally re- relying on you. Because other words, what's going to happen? We'll be a bad witness. Like he said, he said he, he, he fasted and prayed so much in just a short period of time, none of his clothes fit. All of his helpers would come in and say, hey, um, it's lunchtime. He said, no, we're going to fast today. And he said they did that for months. Being too serious. See, I know what that's like myself because I used to be like that too. I used to be so serious. And, and it was just, a, I would work myself up so much in the flesh and, and I would actually, I felt like I'd have to go to the chiropractor because I would just get so serious. I'd do something that's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. And I'd just crack my neck or something like that. I'm being serious. You know, one of the things I've learned in my Christian life is just whew, relax. Everyone just take a deep breath. Whew. Amen. You're not the Savior. You're not the healer. And let me say this, don't let anyone make you their source. Well, you have to help me, especially family. You have to help me. You got to do this. I'm not the healer. You got to help me with this. I'm not the provider. You know, people come to the church, you know, especially from the outside. And we have certain things and things that we have set up that, that we help members of the church first. And, you know, there's a lot of people that just go from one church to the other and just pilfer the whole community of the church. And so that happens. So we have things in, in, in line. But you know what? 
The church is not people's source either. God is people's source. Hallelujah. So we're talking about building up, encouraging, comforting. Look, look in um, verse 4. You're either soaking it in or, or you're thinking there might be another message. Well, this is it today. Verse 4. The Bible says, He that speaketh in a tongue, what's he do? He edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. And so one of the things we have to understand is this. What happened is you have these believers that got filled and that's all they wanted to do is speak in tongues. So the pre whoever's ministering the word, they want to get up and speak in tongues. They feel the Holy Ghost, they want to speak in tongues and interrupt. So Paul had to give instruction here about when to do so. And so he says, he that speaks in a tongue, it says unknown tongue, edifieth, builds himself up. But he that prophesies edifies the church. So what are we looking for? We're looking for the whole church to be edified. You know, if I just got up here and spoke in tongues, that wouldn't necessarily edify you. Maybe you'd be blessed for a minute, but it doesn't edify you. Why? Because you don't know what I'm saying. But if you prophesy, which is the same as tongues and interpretation, it, they're equal together, you begin to prophesy. See, you have tongues and interpretation, and the Bible says that's equivalent to prophecy. Prophecy, you don't, you don't have to give a, a word and then interpret. You just give the word forth. That's prophesying. That's in your known tongue. So he said, when you do that, you're going to prophesy. You're going to build up. You're going to encourage the whole church. Hallelujah. So I want you to get in your spirit today that you are a builder-upper of the church. That may not be good English, but a builder-upper. And begin to just practice it till you get good at it. How do you get good at something? You begin to practice it. Someone shows up around you and they're having a bad day. But 30 minutes later, they're not having a bad day anymore. Not, not just flattery, but we're talking about words of faith that get into people. And so what you can do is you'll be able to say this. You'll be able to say, I'm an edifier of the brethren. I'm going to excel at the building up. Amen. Say that with me. I excel at the building up of the brethren. And I'm good at it. See, that's something you have to work at. I, well, I, I don't consider myself to be that good at that. Well, you just begin to practice it. What do most people do, though? They tell the bad. <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of believers think it's a good Christian thing to just tell the bad. And then at the end, they just say, okay, let's pray. But which they never do pray. But they just say, well, let's just pray. Hashtag praying. You know, you can have a lot of hashtag praying, but there's no prayers going up. <laughs> here's, here's, here's the bottom line. If people leave your presence and they feel worse, then like we said, it'd been better they didn't meet you that day. We're doing a lousy job then, aren't we? So ask yourself, when we get through with this conversation, you know, there's, there's some conversations. Have you ever learned this? And I know, I know as a husband, and if we have any, um, any uh, brave souls, you might raise your hand. This husband and wife, you know when you're about to say something that you shouldn't say. <laughs> you, <look laughs> yeah, everyone just look straight ahead and say Amen. <laughs> you know when you have a check, like, don't say that. Don't say that. You know why? Because what does wisdom do? Wisdom sees ahead and sees the outcome before it's even spoken. And especially if you've gone down that road before, you know for sure. That's called the, the school of hard knocks. So you know ahead of time, if I say that, it's going to set them off, and this is going to be set off. And then, you know, I remember what you did 22 years ago and all that when we could just avoid it by 
None of that. (laughs) So ask yourself, when I get through with this conversation, are they going to be edified? You know, we can know certain things, but it may not be the appropriate time. That's one of the things of a wise man is he discerns times and seasons. What to say, if I should say it. So I want you to look at this. Skip down to uh, verse number 26. He says, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, just like we are here today, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. So that means that every person has a different gift and giftings. Every person has a different supply of the Spirit when they come in. And so as we come in, we have this, one has a song, has a tongue, an interpretation, a revelation. But let all things be done to edifying. Let everything be done to building up. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to get good and excel at edifying. Hallelujah. I want you to look at... um. And I must have skipped the whole part on this, but verse 12, we'll hit it now. (laughs) He says this, even so, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Seek that you may excel to what? To the edifying of the church. So so when someone shows up around you that's having a bad day, they're in for a surprise. Amen. What's going to happen? You're going to turn that around. Let all things be done to edifying. So that means our songs should be edifying. Our prayers should be edifying. As we said, that doesn't mean that the Lord won't pull your chain. That doesn't mean the Lord won't rebuke you. He will, but he won't leave you there. There's always, he brings you up and you're more edified than when he started. And so we are supposed to do the same thing. And what? Seek that we may excel to the edifying of the church. And you know, faith and enthusiasm is contagious. You don't have to be a preacher to be an excellent encourager of the brethren. All you have to do is be available. All you have to do is be willing. What? That you're going to help somebody. I'm going to, you can get to, it's something you get skillful at. And you something you look at people and say, you know, such and such. And, you know, you do a good job of this. You, you, you begin to just, don't just harp on what's negative. Begin to turn it around. See, that's why they're coming there for your help. Maybe they're not asking for help, but, but they're, they're coming there in there. Maybe, maybe the last eight people they talked to, they said, yeah, you know, that's pretty bad what you're talking about. But you, you're going to turn it around and say, yeah, let, let me tell you what God's going to do here. Let me tell you what the Lord's going to do. He's going to change this situation. He's going to turn it around. It's not just a cliche, but hey, God's going to change this situation. If people leave your presence, say, boy, I sure am glad I met them today. So it's contagious. So be an edifier. Be a builder-upper. Let all things be done to edifying. Then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're beginning to commence to close. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 23. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. What's he saying? There's some things that they're lawful for me to do that they're not advantageous. They're not beneficial. You know, the Bible says this in in Philippians 4, what is around verse 7 and 8. Verse 8, 
Whatsoever things are honest, good report, virtue of praise, think on these things. And so there's some things that they may be true, but they're not lovely to talk about. So what do you do? You don't talk about it. Well, I think I'm going to straighten them out. It may not be the will of God for you to straighten them out. You might get into a bigger mess than you thought. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not advantageous. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So there's a lot of things that we can do in life, but should we? You know, there's a lot of things you can talk about, but should you? Husband and wife, friends on the job. There's a lot of things you can talk about, but should you? The Bible says this, let no corrupt communication, what? Proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. You know, there's a lot of times you just have to bite your lip. You want to know how I know these things. <laughs> there's times you just have to bite your lip. I'm just saying all throughout my, my walk with the Lord. Because once you... Once you say something, guess what? You know, the, the Bible talks about how words are like arrows. You ever had like a good, you know, you have like a compound bow. I mean, those are, those are it takes some strength to pull that back. But, you know, words are likened to like an arrow. What if you had that compound bow and you have it back? As long as you have it right here, you're in control. Once you release that, what happens? It's going to its target. So people do that with words. They get that thing and they go, they pull it back. And, and then Rama's over there. He's got three arrows stuck in him. He's like, oh, why'd you do that? And then, and then someone says, well, you know, I really didn't mean it. You know, what, what happened? Words do that. Words go in and then you try to retract it. As long as you have it in your mouth, you haven't shot the arrow yet. But as long as you, once you release it, well, you know, I really didn't mean it. That's why the Bible says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because you can always, you can always say those words and fashion those words with wisdom and the wisdom of God. But once you say it, there's nothing but repentance after that. So what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God looks ahead and says, I'm not going to say that right now. I'm not going to deal with that right now. Why? Because I'm going to have more. And, and if, if you doubt what I'm saying, just try it. Next time you have a check in your spirit about it, just say, you know what? I have a check about this, but I'm going to say it anyway and just see if the Lord is leading me the right way. And, and watch and see if you get into trouble or not. I don't advise it. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So what does that mean for me today? I'm going to get good at letting my words bless another person. I'm going to let, a lot of people just think words are just to express themselves, but words are to be containers. They're containers either of hate, poison, or they can be containers of faith and love. What am I going to do? You, you can put words, I mean, Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Yeah, it's just like answering the phone. Hello. I like to have it with a little bit of excitement in there, you know, like, yeah. not, hello. Hello. And people think, oh, man, I got a live one here. <laughs> That's what our edification should be. That's what the building of 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 the church should be. People should come in and say, you know, I may not understand everything in, in that river church, but they love God and they love one another and they're real. And I got built up. I got something on the inside of me. Something happened. And you know, that's what, that's what happens when we read our chapter. You know, we're going to start in the book of Genesis here just shortly. Going through reading one chapter, we're still finishing the book of John. But what happens when you read that chapter? Maybe you don't get everything up in your noggin. 
Maybe you don't get everything in your mind of what's, what you just read. But what's happening is this is spirit food that, that comes on the inside of you. That spirits need to be fed just like bodies need to be fed. As I read that chapter in faith, believing that God will speak to me, what's going to happen? I'm going to receive nourishment. Something on the inside just, just takes a hold of it. And some people have been so starving for decades. I mean, when they get a hold of some good word of God, faith, food, what happens? Boy, you, you just can't get enough. But see, even as you are a mature Christian and you've been feeding on the word for years, it should be the same way. I can't get enough. I got to have my fix. I got to have my word fixed today. Some people have their fix in different ways. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's marijuana. Maybe it's whatever. It doesn't matter. But there's something stronger than all of that. There's a power stronger than all that. It's the power of God. What can, what can overcome habits? What can overcome something? This word. Getting this word on the inside. As I feed on this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And as I do, what's happening? You can look over your life through the years. I can look back 30 years ago this coming November when, when I walked forward and received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And as I received him, there began a process. Dr. Jesus appeared to my life. He said, okay, we're going to change that script. We're going to change that prescription right now. And we're going to put you on this diet right here. We're going to give you some words of faith. We're going to give you this. And it hasn't changed for 30 years. You know, if you, if you pay attention to the Lord, he'll put you on a different diet. You know what? You need a little bit extra joy right now. And so I want you to just rejoice and, and praise me for this and this and, and, and come back and see me in, in three weeks. What's, what's going to happen? You're going to be doing that. He says, oh, good. You're doing really good. And, and so, but there is this one area here. And, um, you know, the Lord doesn't just do everything to overwhelm you. He could overwhelm us. If, if God just turned the light of his glory on every one of us at one time, we would just say, oh, God, I give up right now. I just, let's not even, let's just quit now. But what does he do? You've been doing awesome and amazing. There is this one area I want you to do this. Oh, okay, Lord. He didn't tell you, but there's 1,200 other things to work on. And so as you begin to get that, then he'll say, okay, there's this other area. And, uh, oh, Lord. And then you think, boy, I must have arrived by now. And I must have arrived at Christ-like perfection. And I'm almost there. And then the Lord says, you know, there is this one other thing here. And then 20 years later, here's this other. You're always growing in fashioned when can I quit growing? When you step out of your body. When can I quit being transformed to the image of his dear son? When you step over and see his dear son. When you step over. But in the meantime, what's God's will for us? That the church would increase. You know, we had somebody that... Um, it's interesting sometimes the, the, the conversations and... and most of the time you don't hear these things, but sometimes you hear things that are said. And a conversation about an individual that used to be here a long time back. And just, I can't believe, to my, what do they need a church building this size for? They act like this is Pastor Oya Depo's church or something, you know, or a boy, uh, you know, that it just goes on for miles. This is not that big of a building, people. It's bigger than what we had, and we are thankful for this building. But this is not like 10 million square feet. What do, do they need for that? For the building of the church? What if we multiplied overnight to where we had 400 people in here? We would fill this whole room up. Then what would we do? We would build more. We would increase. We'd have to go to multiple services. Is that the will of God? Yes. 
What's the will of God? That we increase, that we have more influence. Why? Because God is interested in people hearing the gospel. Amen. It's not so we can pat ourselves on the back. Look what we did. No, look what the Lord did. We give all glory and honor to him. Can you say amen? Father, we just thank you today for your people. Lord, we thank you for your anointing in this place. Lord, we just thank you that we will never be the same. Lord, I thank you that even today we purpose in our hearts. Lord, I know that as under shepherds here, Lord, we, we purpose in our heart that we would be edifiers, builder uppers of the congregation. But Father, I thank you that even today that each person in here would get a fresh revelation of what it means to, to edify one another. Lord, that sometimes that means that we just, we go out of our way to help others. Sometimes it means that we just keep our mouth quiet and we pray. But I thank you, the Lord, that we are edifiers. But Lord, I thank you that the most important thing is our congregation be built up. That we be built up and we go and build others up. And we thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. God's will is that his church would increase. Sometimes people have a limited idea of what that means. The only thing sometimes people think when you say the word increase is money. But you increase in, in status. You increase not the status of what people think, but you increase in number. You increase in favor. You increase in every area of your life. And so the most important thing is that, that the church be added to, and that comes by people making a decision to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus. You've been talking about being edified and built up. I've never given my heart and life to Jesus, but today I want to do that. Friend, we want to pray with you and for you. Or if you're in this place and you say, once upon a time, I walked with the Lord. I know what, what it means to be built up. I was built up and, and things were going good in my life, but something happened and I walked away from the Lord, but today I want to come back. I want to come back to that place of, of feeling the presence of God, to be built up. Or thirdly, if you say, I just want to make sure because I have doubts at times. Many people have doubts about their salvation that the enemy brings. But you want to make sure. We want to pray with you and for you. So with no one looking around, if that's you, if you're in this place, you want to be in a place where you come back to the Lord or you want to receive Jesus as your Savior for the first time, or you want to make sure, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you today. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Call upon the Lord while he is near. Call upon him while he may be found. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your church is built up and grows in this city. Lord, that you raise up many churches that would follow you and follow your voice. Lord, I thank you that tradition and religion, that you break the back of that in this city. Lord, that people will know the one and true living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. You know, I hope you understand that church is more than just a, well, I think you realize this, that most churches in town, we've already had three services or two services by now. So that's different for a lot of people. But a lot of people, they just, you know, I just went to church and that's all it is. 
no, no responsibility, but what God happens, what happens in our life is as we get plugged in, as we get built up, what happens when you get built up? You have an excitement. I mean, it's like a, it's like somebody winds you up like a, like a spring on the inside of you. What happens? You just, you, you get sprung and you go out and you touch other people. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's, that's Miss Sharon right there. That, she, gets, she gets edified, she gets built up, and she goes edify other people. Same thing with Rama. I know, and I know many of you, but I'm just picking on a couple people. Over the last couple of years, when you, when you just see the testimony of, of his life and what the Lord's done, he took him from not even serving God to where he's been built up and edified. And what happens is he goes out and ministers to other people. It probably shocks a lot of people. <laughs> hey, do you know, what, do you have Jesus in your life? Whoa. <laughs> But you wouldn't do that if you weren't built up. That's why our pastor says this. You can't, win, you can't take a dead person to win the lost. Why? Because they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, here, after hearing you, let me just go ahead and jump off the bridge. <laughs> but a believer should be filled up and full of him and full of his joy. And you know what that does? <coughs> the Bible says that he that serves Christ in these is approved of men. Talking about what? Let me just read this one verse to you. Romans chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serves Christ. How do you serve Christ? You serve him in righteousness and peace and joy. If you serve him this way, he says you're acceptable to God and approved of men. It's acceptable to God and approved of men. Now, some of these things, don't, a lot of people think, oh, that's, that's weird. Peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. But what happens is you're approved of men. What, why? Because what are men looking for? They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. So what, do they want to, what does the Lord want to do? He wants to put you up just like this sign up here at the road. River Church, Church with the Difference. Put your name in there. Life with a difference. That your life is different. And people can look at you. That person is different. Not weird. Different. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet this morning. I will say this, the more that people will build themselves up at home, the more the service will be built up. A lot of times people think, well, you know, that preacher didn't have it today. Or that pre, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Not here, but other places. But, but a lot of people think that, but it's up to us to come in a certain way. Now, we have a defib machine back there. If we had to take the, the defib out every time, just when people come in the door, it's like, okay, we're going to praise and worship. Boom, boom, boom. You know, stand clear. Boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hurts. Well, sometimes you, you spiritually have to do that. Spiritually, you come in here and an angel puts an IV drip on you. 
And, and what happens is you, you have to come back and be resuscitated. But what if you come in here and you're just all full of life? Oh, man, the first note, it's like, boom, you just, you, everyone just steps in. So that's why encourage yourself. Listen to the word of God through the week. Praise the Lord. If you, if you pray in a heavenly, heavenly language, pray in the Holy Ghost. Not just for five minutes either. Just begin to edify yourself and build yourself up. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your people. We thank you, Lord, for your touch upon their life. And Lord, as, as we go from this place, we thank you that you lead us and guide us, that your anointing goes with us. Your angels protect over us. That even if a thousand would fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, it will never come near us. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.